Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, good evening. Welcome to Actor Mill, the Logos Yo. edition. Yeah, we are recording on Valentine's Day, which means that we've got Nick Nick Hart's had a splash of brute. Uh, Mickey Avery, he's got something good going on uh, in the oven. Whip, whipped a box of black magic round to uh, Mrs. Avery. It's great. The club shop delights around at Castle Avery. It's going to be a good night, put it that way. But we are your, uh, your soundtrack to Valentine's Day slash the morning after. Um, joining me. Nick Hart, the daddy, Mr. Loverman. Shabba, how are you, pal? I'm good, mate. Just sipping a little drop of the PA door and getting the old Richard Claydon out for Mrs. Hart later. Good stuff, good <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, Mickey Avery, what's it going to be for you? Have you got a, a, a Mike Oldfield LP or something like that? You know, a bit of tubular bells? I'm, I'm not going to lie. Roy Green, the club shop, uh, Prosecco, <laughs> flat as a pancake, and the 10-inch Zampa. That's what we've got to look forward to tonight. Um, there was the, there was an image. So it was at Millwall Halfway Line posted a, a, a stack of um, Millwall rosé bottles of wine. The rosé oh. is not shifting on the on the den outlets, if, listeners. They need to shift that rosé wine, and it's not well, shifting. I, so I, I did I did do my um, my own inventory and my own sort of audit, if you like, of the club shop on Sunday. Uh, more in the Millwall Actor Mill Extra <laughs> on that one. Um, <laughs> Let's look back. Just one point from two big games. Um, well, Millwall nil, West Brom two on Sunday. We were there, Nick. Millwall one, Fulham one. Uh, yeah. Broadcast live on Sky. Let's start with West Brom. Um, I mean, difficult conditions. The surface at the den is really sort of taking a bit of a battering as well. Um, I mean, there was just something was lacking for Millwall. There's something missing. I mean, I, I don't think you can put it down to the conditions personally, because as the cliche has it, it's the same for both sides. West Brom, I thought a very good side, um, possibly the best side I've seen all season. I include Leeds because despite their their obvious um, strength going forwards, I think they're they're more fragile in defence. Whereas West Brom, I thought looked very very strong. Um, no, we, we 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 didn't turn up, sadly. Um, you can talk about formations and player choices and, you know, whether Aiden should have started or, or, or whatever you like. But I just think we're up against the better side. And um, that was a bit like walking into a punch. You know, it, it stopped. It stopped. The the mood of confidence was, was, was pierced. And I think many of us left the ground feeling quite... Um, 
flat about the the prospects for the season um, because I, I think they they were strong. They were I think Rowett after the game said that there's a different level in the division, and I think we saw that different level there because they came over very very strongly, and we didn't have an answer to it. Um, Fulham much better performance, and I left strangely. With the, the the deflation was reinflated after that. I, I wonder whether it would have felt the same way if the results had been the other way round. You know, if we had a good game against Fulham first and then the, the, the deflation against West Brom afterwards, how, how it would have left us. But strangely, I still think we're in the game after Fulham, despite um, just one point from two critical games. I don't know, you saw it, Michael. Did you, did you see it in the same way? Um, yeah, a similar way in truth. I just thought West Brom, as you say, were, were too good. And I think that... Um... A two two nil defeat is is a pretty respectable scoreline considering how well West Brom played. Um, also, as well, I think with Fulham game, as you say, Nick, let's not forget last time we played Fulham, they absolutely destroyed us. They had the best possession stats since the Magna Carta and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think we put up quite a good fight, especially in the first half. Um, I think that Murray Wallace, again, I know you said it on your pod the other week, but how you can get a, a League One centre half to play that well. Uh, left back so comfortably um, is a credit to Murray Wallace and possibly to the coaching staff. Ryan Woods has slotted in well. He had a great game as well. And and let's let's not forget. I know I know it's uh, it's where the sort of teams are now, and it's sort of obviously coincidental. But it's been a tough run of fixtures. Yeah. And so, you know you know yeah. under previous management, with all due respect to people we've had before, you know there's some there's some managers who was a bit like oh it will be lucky to get a point or two points or even nick a win here or there but like you said in your midweek pod nick um you know 86 minute he's trying to throw on scalap and smith when a lot of other managers wouldn't have bothered yeah i admired that i mean the thing i've circled on my notes here is that when we're good we're very good and when we're bad we're horrid it's um it, we, we we lack consistency really because mm-hmm. against west brom it was, it was like we were watching two different Millwall sides, and we were watching two different Millwall sides in many respects because the, the team that turned out against West Brom, um, Rowett says that we, it was like we'd, we'd approached it in the same frame of mind as we might approach a summer's game in May. So we're not switched on. We got caught um, quite um, well. They, they were up and at us. I think they hit the post inside the first 10 minutes. We were up against it. First goal was 42, so we, we did well to get to that point without conceding, but we, we were riding our luck all the way through. I remember Bart making save on save. So, you know, um, to to come out so flat against West Brom and then, you know, Raoult calls for, calls for a response against Fulham and he gets it. If we make the top six this season, it'd be against all odds. I mean, I, I don't think we, we deserve to. We may yet achieve it and, and I hope we do achieve it, but the, the squad is just lacking something uh, a little bit of a little bit of steel at times i think because we 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 got caught early against fulham didn't we on uh, inside the first couple yeah, of minutes right. absolute flat footed defending again critical game you come out switched on from the very off and there's just something there's a piece of jigsaw that's not quite there and i'm 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 I suppose i'm searching for where that jigsaw lies but it's not there at the moment oh no no i agree i agree i think as well with the, the, there's there's a, there's this obsession also like sort of shoe on the other foot with this possession based game. I mean, I remember someone was saying that Fulham had four times the amount of touches Millwall had in this game, but you know the, I remember saying during the game it was like that classic Simpsons episode where like the sort of Mexicans are playing it in the midfield between them for 15 minutes and not doing anything. So um, there was that to it as well where you can say you know we've done well to shut it out, but I think as well that with 
with the 532, I mean, when Rowett first brought it in, it, it was good. It caught people off guard because Millwall traditionally a 442. Yeah, up but on I think, it, yeah. I think I think there's times where you 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 may need to sort of tweak or change the tactics because I always believe with a 532, I'm not sure what yours or the listeners views are you know tweeting if you disagree but I always believe that with a 5-3-2 you need to have those two wing backs that are just constantly up and down and with your three in the middle one of them needs to be a kind of that ball playing centre half who's going to join the midfield and make up the number if he needs to I can't see that with Jake Cooper or Sean Hutchinson or Pierce as good as they are they're not the type of players who can actually you know carry a ball 10-15 yards if they needed to yeah, I mean, I, I was I was intrigued by the performance on on uh, Wednesday night because obviously we're seeing Murray Wallace flower. We might come on to the details of, of, of who done well on on uh, Wednesday in, the, in a minute, but you know Murray Wallace making runs forward. I saw Sean Hutchinson making a run forward. I'm sure I saw Jake Cooper making runs forward from from the, you know the, the back line of defence. So there's clearly there's clearly depth to the players. They've not been entrusted enough over their careers, possibly, with these kinds of roles. Rower is entrusting them to make runs and, and take risks and go for it um, and, you know, put themselves into, into unusual positions. To come out against Fulham, who we know are good, we know what they did to us back in, in August, uh, and to be so switched off that you just watch a ball floating from the right and land in the, in the six-yard box and no one's there... It's it just worries me. I mean, we did well when we come back from that, but that was just sloppy and yeah, sloppy, yeah, sloppy right. teams. Sloppy teams don't win promotion, do they? You Generally. know, I know I'm gonna say something that could be deemed sort of controversial. I I looked, I watched Marlon Romeo a lot on 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 uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I think he was positioning very naive, you know. He, he was. I thought he wasn't very. I don't know. There's just something about him. I think he's he's a he's a part of that team. You look at it and you think Rat might think. You know what? We might need to upgrade on him because sometimes positionally he's so caught out. It's unreal. And then you're asking Jake Cooper, Hutch, etc. To, to to step in and and do uh, and, and do sort of you know um, and do his job for him. You know, like sometimes you'll get caught up. There's a poor touch here and there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I thought against West Brom, I mean, there was one challenge, especially where he raced back and made a challenge. It was great. But against Fulham, you know, against some really good wingers, they've got, um, you know, the likes of Cavaliera, etc. He, 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 I don't think he, he had his best game. I mean, we're up against two quality sides, Aaron, weren't we? I mean, West Brom, top quality side. I mean, as I think we we said um, previously, expensively assembled. You know, the, the, these these teams are they don't come cheap. We we are trying to match them on the cheap, if we're going to be blunt, because we're having to take um, the flotsam and jetsam of other clubs, the misfits or whatever you want to call them, and turn them into into players that uh, mm. maybe they could be or never thought they could be. I mean, you know, the, coming back to Murray, um, I think he never imagined he could be an attacking wing-back style defender. He's probably been always a, a, a bog-standard flat-back for do, do your job defender there. And he's, he's been asked to do stuff now that Lo and behold, he can do it. Um, Marlon has always been rated as having more talent than the likes of, let's say, Murray, just to keep flogging the same point. Um, I don't think Mark Romeo is, is... I think he's a very good player, but I don't think he's he's at that level that um, other clubs will be paying serious money for him yet. So I think there's still aspects to his game that where he's good and he's improved. Other aspects, like you've mentioned there, where he, he's, he's got work to do. Achtung, Mailball. I'll tell you what, Nick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there 
like um, this is the sort of the, the standard journal, but I know we don't usually cover uh, other clubs and this, or we don't really, you know, talk about things like that. But we we do drift when there's breaking news. We do. Um, I mean, UEFA have just released a statement via the Associated Press. Man City have been banned from the Champions League for two years and fined thirty million pound. That's brilliant due to wow. reaching FFP, overstating sponsorship revenue and accounts, and the break-even information. Now, this is interesting because we're seeing a lot of clubs try and get round FFP, bend FFP. Derby have tried it with the signing of Wayne Rooney and thirty-two red. Um, you know, Birmingham St Andrews Trillion Trophy Asia. What are Trillion Trophy Asia? That's the question. You know. Uh, <laughs> They're about as reliable as Euro ferries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Trying to bend rules, i.e. like Man City did with Etihad, where, you know, they tried to bend it with Etihad. I mean, Roberto Mancini wasn't actually paid a wage. He was paid as a consultant to the club. Yeah. So it didn't count as part of their FFP calculation. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an increasing trend and a really, really big trend now. Trying to bend it through sponsorship revenue, you know, trying to sort of bend it through information. Um, yeah, there you have it. City bound for the Champions League. So does that does that remove them from the, the 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 current competition, or is it next year's competition? I just don't believe because the the Champions League goes into the no. knockout phase soon, doesn't it? So 2020, 2021, and twenty one. Okay. So there's room room for lawyers to get all over that before. I mean, yeah, the, the, the first the first thing they're going to do is appeal, so that then they're sort of yeah. in it next year, aren't they? That's the first thing you know they're going to do. But it's, it and, still uh, sends a good message. I mean, I like the message if they can keep to it and hold well, to it. Yeah, yeah, but that's the that's the thing, Nick. Let's let's be brutally honest. Now, it, I, I I know that you know you've you've got the um you've got the old groups. Who who's the old group had influence on Europe? G14 and all that was the it? big 14 clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like that kind of thing. There's all this talk. You know, whenever they don't get their own way, there was talks of potentially six games in the Champions League, the European breakaway, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's see what actually they do now because Man City, they got their fingers burnt a couple of years ago now. I know their squad, squad got reduced from like 24 to 22. I believe mm. I know won a massive penalty, but that was for an FFP breach to do with, I believe, allegedly, to do with the sort of stadium name as you were saying, Aaron, and the sponsorship. So this is the second time in, what, three years, four years, they've been done for the same thing. So in theory, they're, they're, they, have to be, they have to be removed. And and find thirty million, which will be probably the least of their worries. But it's the removal from the competition that's the the real painful thing for them to endure. Um, I imagine their lawyer's going to be all over this, and they'll be they'll be mounting a counter counter claim and appeal or whatever the <clears throat> the, the, uh, the UEFA rulebook allows. But no, it's it, uh, it's high time football started taking taking control of itself. There's got to be some from somewhere, and I don't know where it's going to come in from. If it's UEFA, that that will surprise me no end. That that's where the vision finally comes. That football needs to think about what kind of sport is it? What what is it? Does it have an aim, or is it just a pure individual free for all? Where big clubs like City, for example, and, and others over time bend and change rules to suit because that's pretty much where it's at at the moment. So if they're trying to make an effort to to change things, well, you know, not often you can say well done UEFA, but well, well done. Well done, UEFA. Um, just on a, on a, as, as we're going off on tangents, and I forgive me, uh, Aaron, for, I did send you a list of subjects, but there was a fascinating um, thread on Twitter, which I saw the other day. It was a, against League Three account, and they uh, mentioned a court case, a court hearing, um, and it's to do with the MLS in America. I think there have been a couple of um, USA-based clubs who wanted to join the MLS, the Major League Soccer, 
in the USA, and they, they'd won some other leagues, there various leagues out there in, in the USA, um, and they'd been denied entry to the MLS, and they quoted FIFA policy, FIFA guidelines, which um, I can't remember the exact wording, but let's say it, it encourages and wants relegation and promotion from, for example, breakaway leagues into the, the rump league. Let's say we're specifically we're talking about the likes of a, a Premier League um, and then the remainder of the Football League. Um, it, it encourages there to be relegation and promotion. Um, rather than the competition becoming a sealed bubble, which um, in, in the USA, they often have that with the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, all of their major leagues are sealed. There's no there's no concept of promotion and relegation as we, as we have in football. And as, as is encouraged, in fairness, by, by FIFA around the world. Um, but the key word there being that it's only encouraged. It, the court case, uh, and it must have played out in the US, some one of the states in the US, um, didn't enforce it. The, the the Major League Soccer was able to deny these clubs, can't remember their names off the top of my head, somewhere in Miami, somewhere in you know another another city. Um, they weren't able to join MLS as of the FIFA guidelines of promotion and relegation. Um, and why that's interesting, because it's a long story, why is that interesting? It appears that the FIFA guidelines may not be as enforceable to promote and relegate around the world as we all might like to think they are. So, for example, if the Premier League or Premier League Mark II, a breakaway league from the, the Rump Football League, as it would be then, could declare itself a sealed competition, and it probably isn't enforceable to have relegation from the remainder league into the new competition. Now, that could include the Premier League, could include a, a second tier to the Premier League. Who, who knows what might come from that? But a lot of clubs, a lot of big clubs, have their eye on this because the dream of clubs of a certain size is not to be to run the risk of failure and relegation because, as the likes of West Ham may find out, it costs you a fortune, doesn't it, to to leave the Premier League. So they want to protect their, their bubble. Um, it was just a fascinating thread because... We've all been brought up on the idea that a club can do a Wimbledon, can go from a park, you know, playing your local park. You can ultimately reach the top tier of a lot of hard work, a lot of luck and a lot of money. And but it's possible to make that journey. Um, but this court hearing would appear to show that the FIFA rules on these things aren't as enforceable as you might think. So a lot of clubs will be looking at that quite greedily. So, uh, so it's just the, just the thing to keep your eye on in the future. The, the thing is, Nick, just, just sort of to summarise on it. Um, we all know that UEFA and their um, sort of appeals process take fucking ages. I mean, it's taken them how long to actually come to this verdict? Look, look at the periods of time. So yeah. I can still see City playing in the Champions League next season because oh. the appeal process will let them continue to play. And they have a self-interest. I mean, this is where it becomes a problem because UEFA's self-interest, they want the, the Champions League to be the premier club competition in the world, which it is at the moment. And a major element of that would be uh, a major club like Manchester City with its star players taking part. So they have a self-interest in dragging this out. They've been wrapped on the knuckles, but UEFA don't, probably don't really want to see the back of the, the sky blue shirts because they bring big bucks and big, big, but I think big, big viewers. You say that though, Nick. I think to a point, like what you were saying about the Premier Clubs, and I, t I totally agree, like like you were saying about, like, and we said about the G14 teams and all these in the past. But I think that this might sort of work against Man City in the sense that you've got your four at the moment, and obviously Leicester are there as well. But, man, but UEFA could look at it and go, well, Man City will be gone. So 
but Arsenal will now come in. Spurs will now come in. Man United could come in. You know, like these huge clubs. There's not. I mean, I've I've never been a massive advocate for that the Premier League is the best league in the world, quality wise, as, no, as you as no. you guys know. But for example, Man City um, leaving the Champions League would be wouldn't be as harmful, say, as PSG leaving the league because the team who would replace PSG could be like a a Marseille or a Lyon, someone who's big but not. As not that globally big. known, yeah, and yeah. same as the Spanish clubs, you know, you could get a Barcelona and Madrid get chucked out and replaced by a Getafe or an Athletic Bilbao. So, I think to a degree with the Man City thing, if it if it does happen, I know you said it could take a long time, Aaron, but I think they'd be more inclined to do it to English clubs than others. Maybe this is why we're building this 34 stadium Husky Thunderdome. Um, That's what it is. We <laughs> in, in, in readiness. <laughs> City gets slung out. Um, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go. We've got the Husky Dome, thirty-four thousand capacity. Fergie uh, going up and down the wing and dying <laughs> again, you know, and like Sean Williams two-footing like Lukaku. Achtung, Milwal. But we're, we're we're leaping around our agenda, listeners. I apologise, but we, we, we are. Uh, I hope, I hope that was an interesting. In, bring change. it back in. Bring it back in. Come on. Um, bring it back in. I, I I still think we've got a shot at the playoffs. I think it's not done for yet. We've got a huge game Saturday at Preston. We 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 really do need a win. We can't keep on drawing. But then we've got if we can get past Preston, we've got the likes of Wigan. I'm just trying to see who our next fixtures are after after that. Um, Wigan is is on the 22nd, isn't it? And and then then Bristol City at home, so some big games still to come. There are still some points to be to be had. It's not totally a lost call. So I think it's managing your expectations. That's that'd be my point, Michael. I think don't go expecting, yeah. don't go yeah. expecting with, stuff. And with the expectations as well, as you say, Nick. Let's be honest. Back in September and October, if you would have said to a Millwall fan, do you know what? By next February, March, you'll be disappointed if you don't make the top six. Come on, <laughs> what you know? Think of it like that. Well, it's, it's, it's the weight of, I think the weight of expectation is what's done for us. I mean, we've gone to Leeds thinking that, you know, we, we didn't do badly up there. We've got a 2-0 lead and then let it go. But, you know, I think it's the weight of expectation that suddenly they've put on our shoulders that's actually done for the for the team recently. So it'd be nice to get that um, off of our back and play with a little bit more freedom and not expect it. But who knows? There might be a shot at the sixth spot if we can get some results under our belt. Trouble is, at Millwall, it gets mapped. Once, once we start getting a few results, it gets manic, and the, the, the support is bipolar, and everyone starts to think we're going to compete with City for the, uh, you know, for the Champions League spot. So, Achtung, Milwaukee. Let's talk about Jed's because uh, Jed's struggling at the moment, and I think it comes back to the point I just made um, that the weight of expectation, expectation has suddenly landed on, on Jed's shoulders, and you know he's, he's a he's a player that's. Um, come from Portsmouth, I think, as a youth. He's, he had a big move to the Wolves, but it didn't quite work out for him. And he's found his home, um, like many do, many do at Millwall, because it's, although it's it's got this kind of rough and ready reputation, it's quite a warm, nurturing place if you give everything, and he does give everything. And he's just struggling at the moment. So I think he's the, the weight of the spotlights has fallen upon him. And I don't think Jed responds well to the spotlight, Michael, do you? I think he, you know, the, the live cameras on him the other night, he was trying stuff and it not working, and um, one of his poorest games for a long time. Yeah, mm, I think I think that, like you say, with the expectations, I think because he is our only sort of real shining light. I mean, obviously Bradshaw's a class act, and you've got all these other players. Um, 
who who can who we've named like Murray Wallace and Malumbi and all these. But Jed Jed is our superstar. I think because he's such an integral part. That if he doesn't have a good game, it affects the whole squad. You're right. There, there's there's too much expectation in him to perform every week, not knowing that, well, not knowing or not allowing him to basically have an off day. Um, I think with Jed as well, one thing that I've noticed him doing recent weeks, which uh, which he did a couple of years ago, and I thought it actually came out of his game, was remember when it didn't seem to be going too well from him, he'd lash out, or mm. it seemed to sort of chase after players, and then ultimately it'd end up in a, a booking or a card yeah. or um, or a ban. And obviously we don't want to see that back in his back in his game again. Jed Jed is a very honest player. He'll give you everything that he's got to give, and he does have you know he's a very creative player. He is our sole outlet. I just think that the is some players are big time. You know, I'm, I'm going to make a ludicrous comparison. You go to a, a Cristiano Ronaldo, you go to a Lionel Messi, you go to certain players. They love the spotlight. They give them a, you give them the big time. They will respond. Some players can do that. They they adore the 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 the, the you know. Going back a few years, the Luis Suarez is adore the the the, uh, the big time atmosphere, and I just think Jed maybe just doesn't, and that's no 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 um, <laughs> it's not 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 to his detriment, but I just think unfortunately at the moment, whenever the big situation at Millwall arises, he's just failing to produce his best, and I think maybe the pressure coming off the team generally will will put Jed back in a position where he's he can show the form that. Um, led to uh, you know talk of, of a Premier League move. I, I don't see a Premier League for him a move for him at the moment okay? because for the reasons I've just said, I just don't think he's um, he's firing on all cylinders at the moment, and uh, it's it's it's, a, it's it's hard to see because actually of a, the team actually played well, and, and the weakest link last on Wednesday was was Jared Wallace, which is not nice to say, but. One other thing I just want to mention, and I've written it on my, my agenda, and I, I, I was reading it out bluntly, Aaron, might know, social media wankers. There's plenty of wankers on social media, but one I saw um, people digging out Jed on Twitter for not, not playing well and not turning up on, you know, as they put it, against Fulham. Well, but for the efforts of Jed Wallace, <laughs> we wouldn't have a sniff of the playoffs because he's been the player yeah. that's been our most creative and you know, I, I get people are disappointed. We 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 all want to win the game, and you know, he's he's missed a penalty on on Wednesday night. He's he's gone high, um, but you talk about very very small margins. A couple of inches too high, and it's over the bar. A couple of inches lower, it's going to go under the underside of the crossbar and go in. But there we are. That's football. But I just I, social media, I think, is you know, it's it's a great thing, but it's also a bit of a curse, and it just gives voices to people that you think ought to. I don't know, or to, or to keep it to themselves at times. I think it's a shame. You know, the penalty, I was just thinking back to the penalty. I actually had a, uh, I had a crafty bet on, uh, you know, I, I don't really like to endorse betting companies and whatnot, but, you know, <laughs> Mitrovic to score, Wallace to score, and Joe Bryan and Hutch to get a booking at 100 to 1. I really? bought £2.50 on it, it would have been lovely, yeah? That cost you 250 quid. No, to, to, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my, my pal um, literally was like, um, he's going to miss. And I was like, I don't know. And you know what? He's smashing it into bar. It just seemed like frustration. It really seemed like frustration as well, especially when you look at some of the passes he was making against Fulham. You can see he wants to do something, but it may it's just not quite coming off. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. Burnout is, is, is my fear with him. And... As Michael said, he's you know he's he started to get a little bit huffy at times. He's frustrated with his own performance. 
and manage, managing a, a, managing your talent is where managers really earn their money. And I think in Gary Rowett, we do have a good quality manager. I think he's probably going to be aware of that situation. But I just think it's a shame when you go online and you see shit. You know, I, I know there's part and parcel of modern sports. Um, you know, any 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 sport from from cricket to football to the the US sports, all of them, managing that is part and parcel of it. But um, it must be tough to to give everything. No, you've not done well. No, you feel like you've let your team down. And then you read some tosspot online who's uh, can't kick a ball to save his life, telling you how you know where you where it's all gone wrong. But well, that's, that's yeah. social media that's, for you, isn't it? That's the thing as well, Nick. I mean, as as you know, and, and and this probably won't make me popular with comments, to be honest with you, but Millwall was always known as a club who, if people if people gave their best but were utter pony, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the the famous story, Robbie Ryan got turned inside out in the, in the FA Cup final, but everyone gave him a standing ovation, you know, when Ronaldo basically made him look stupid. But, you yeah. know... It's, it's getting to it got to the point with the Jed Wallace stuff where it's like right do you know what if if he was doing the old Gary Taylor Fletcher malarkey where he you know he was struggling to run a bath because he was so unfit then that's one thing but you know as you said as well Aaron you can see Jed's trying things and they're not coming off it's not as if he ain't bothering to run or he's not bothering to get the cross in or he's purposely lashing out because he don't want to be on the pitch. He la- yes, he lashes out when he shouldn't do, but that's how he like, used the frustration out of his performance. He's, he doesn't. He doesn't but, hide. He doesn't hide, Michael. Does exactly. He? Exactly. You know, some players go missing. We all know who they they might be, but Jed Wallace does not go missing. The quality of his crossing on Wednesday was poor. Um, the number of times the ball from the wing was coming into the the first defender and just coming away was I, I lost count, and it was frustrating to watch. And yeah, we all feel pissed off, but. Um, I think the problem with social media is that everyone's voice comes feel equal and that could be, you know, <laughs> it, it, you can give too much weight to these opinions. So I hope that he's, um, he's blocking and muting with the best of them because um, I just think that was a bit unfair to dig him out when it's, it's, it's been his efforts apart, as part of the team that's got us into a situation we probably don't really deserve to be in, largely speaking. But um, social media, said, there you are. And as we said before, when we've done the team of the decade, you t- you tell you tell me a right right winger right midfielder in the, uh, since two thousand you put in front of Jed Wallace I can't think of one. Um, I mean one, one of the other points I've just put on the agenda. I mean it probably leads on to some of the things we've spoken about. Summer casualties. There's an interesting article with Gary Rowett saying that he's um, he's giving t- uh, players the chance to prove their worth to Millwall. Now this will include I guess the whole squad really because. You know, the, the manager will put everyone up to uh, up for, for in, in the balance. But um, he said there will be casualties, and that's a direct quote in the next transfer window. Um, sometimes there have to be casualties. Um, I think it's going to be interesting summertime, Aaron, because I think you know what you said about Marlon Romeo. I wouldn't have thought of him as a, an obvious candidate to move on, but who knows? You know, I think we can probably do better in a number of positions, and and maybe Marlon's one of them. Maybe there, you know, maybe we'll look to strengthen the Murray Wallace um, role. Uh, fullbacks. Well, I, I think I think Murray Wallace is is actually someone that Rowett maybe likes. I think it's good that there's a solid sort of centre half combination there with Hutch and Cooper. Um, the keeper situation's revolved now. Resolved now. I think right back. I think another creative, and I think. I don't know about Matt Smith and all that going into the summer, you know. No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't, no I, uh, Matt, I, Matt Smith doesn't fit into the jigsaw anymore. I don't. You know, I, I quite like him, but um, we've we've debated Matt Smith a lot of, on the show, and you know that you have to play one way for Matt, and yeah, um, yeah. we're not playing that way. Say, he's just yeah, he's just unadaptable. You you like you say, Nick. You you took the words right out of my mouth. Unless you play 
the exact ball he needs and tell him with five minutes notice, right, I'm going to put it there, <laughs> this blade of grass here, make sure you're stood here. It just doesn't work. But he scored, against, he, he, he scored important goals for us, so I can't be too harsh. Some nice balls being knocked over the top of the defence on Wednesday. That was one of the features of the game that I did like for the likes of Bradshaw. Bod Varson played well, I thought. Um, first, you know, for a player that's um, struggled a little bit recently, I thought he did did well on, um, he got a goal, but also some of the balls forward chasing down. Um, Ryan Woods looks like that was one of the best, you know, first time I, I saw him, I think, oh, OK, that's, that's the player we've signed. And I think that style of play, which, um, you know, we, we look at our best when we do knock it over the top and get them past and, and then hit, hit, you know, hit the ball into space rather than just long, which is the Matt Smith kind of route, if you like. Um, that's so, so I, I think that Aidan O'Brien might be another one because I think that he's, whenever he's got the chance, had the chance this season to impress, he's not really taken it. And, you know, I quite like Aidan, but he's just never, ever established himself. Sure. The thing about Aidan O'Brien is he's got to find a place where he actually plays week in, week out and actually shows people what he is. Is he a winger? Is he a 10? Is he a 4? What does he actually do? That's the thing. He's kind of playing in that triangle at the moment. He needs to go somewhere. I'm not saying maybe League One. The thing is, if he could go to League One next year and uh, you know, at a club that will appreciate him, he could do very well and then make his way back into the championship and sort of push on. But he needs a solid season. Um, some of the other players in the squad, I mean, Conor Mahoney um, looks too powder puff, lightweight for me, uh, skillful, but you know, so you can produce it against um, who's the, the, the lower league team in Newport. We produce against Newport, but you need to produce it when we're playing the West Broms and we're playing the, the Fulhams and the, and, and, and the others, you know, the, the Leeds and so on. And he just seems to disappear. I, I just wonder whether there's going to be some, there's going to be more movement than we maybe anticipate because that was an interesting turn of phrase that there will be casualties um i mean the talk the way he's talking here is there won't be mass casualties but then we've still got an active season going on at the moment so you don't want to frighten the horses too much but i, I it wouldn't surprise me to see quite a number of moves in and out and then a gary rowett squad so, so to speak coming out of it you know ready for august uh, later on this year one line just to finish that little piece uh, Rowett's quote here directly says, I think there's no excuse for poor performances, I think he's saying. I think there's no excuse. We should be able to challenge at the top end of this league. So his expectation, and I admire this ambition, is that we should be competing for the top six. That's where we, that's you know, we in, in and around the top six, and that's his expectation. So settling for mid-table respectability um, won't sit easily with Gary Rowett, I don't think. And he'll be looking for the, the culprits as a, as a result. That's where we finish up. Achtung, Mehlball. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, chap, should we move on and talk about the, uh, well, what you called earlier, Nick, the Husky Dome? Musky Dome. <laughs> I was part of the campaign that um, helped save the day for the club, um, which at one point, listeners will probably know this little story, but there was a point where Lewisham had done a deal to sign away the car park to a, renew, a developer called Renewal. Um, and basically, Mill was going to have to relocate away from Bermondsey to some. Uh, various locations have been mentioned, nondescript, Ebbsfleet, and no, no disrespect to Ebbsfleet if you live there, by the way, but places out on the M25, M2, you know, far away from our, from our heartland. And there was a campaign which got involved in, and the happy ending to the story is that we won the day, and now the club this week have announced their plans for their part of the redevelopment of New Bermondsey, as, as the area will be called, which would be basically the, the car park and surrounds and just looking at the the brochure um images which are on the website they're, they're, they're fascinating um i find these things fascinating they're, they're kind of like a like a dreamscape of an idyllic society that will never exist you know it won't look like this but um they've got these kind of um, blue skies powder puff clouds and beautiful buildings surrounding a a kind of a a bowl style den i, I don't know what you made of it michael but it's, it's quite a a fascinating um it looks like one of those stadiums built in in japan for the world cup you know on an island in the middle of the the yellow sea or somewhere that never be used ever again after the after world cup it's it's a strange um 34,000 capacity do we need a 34,000 capacity stadium do you think it's <laughs> let's be brutally honest if we're only getting 12 13,000 for, for games at the moment no we don't um i it, it, it let's be honest if, if it was anyone else but millwall it, it looks a nice grand. It looks okay. You know, it would um, a lot of clubs would be happy with those designs, but it looks very like oak, doesn't it? Very beige. <laughs> it's um, well, it's going to be the interesting thing. The actual stadium itself, which will feet, will be in the slap bang in the middle of the new Bermondsey development. So this is going to be like you see all around London nowadays, listeners. You see everywhere, you know, kind of the same design blocks of big blocks of flats with the the Starbucks and the Sainsbury's um, Metro and then the estate agent retail locations on the ground floor and flats above. There's going to be loads and loads of that um, around the, the derelict lands <clears throat> surrounding the den and the light industrial lands surrounding the den. And the car park was uh, our Millwall car park. In addition to a kind of a, a Coliseum style den with this, this odd cladding, it's going to have a block of flats, I guess, um, and other retail locations on the car park area. But the, yeah, and this is this the the actual stadium will remain inside. This is going to be built on the outside of it. It's going to be like a what do you call that? It's like a it's, it's like a it's like a wrapping around the outside of the stadium with extra tiers over and above the existing st- uh, stands. So I 
I don't see the point of it of, of that part of, of the um, development. I can see the point of developing the area and, you know, we all walk past our favorite, um, you know, the mill calf and the, and the, and the fish, um, the stinking fish, fish shop and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the derelict land and the, and the shutdown warehouse and all the rest of it. So we all know what the area looks like and what, what, what it needs to be done to put it into the. I'm interested in a derelict warehouse if anyone's got one for sale. <laughs> <laughs> don't mean that long. Give, Mind give you, I, I don't know how long this will take. I mean, I know that you're after a, a, well, a retail unit there, Aaron, but um, I, w- I wanted to I wanted to um, sort of touch on it. Um, you know, this whole area, sort of South London, is 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 vastly, very very very, very quickly becoming gentrified. Yes, uh, it is. I saw an article yesterday about the Elephant and Castle, which is about a mile, mile and a half away. They finally agreed that they're going to actually demolish a shopping centre in the middle of it, build flats, build this, build like a leisure complex X, Y, Z. And I think slowly, as you sort of progress down the A2, past the Elephant and Castle, down towards Millwall, that is what you're going to see. Now, obviously, you look at the area around the den, all these uh, retail units and whatnot, it looks like prime land. It is prime land to be developed. Um, I just wonder if the ground is going to be very high on the priorities of the council. One, that, two, who's funding it, let's be fair. Yeah. It it looks like quite an expensive project. It looks lovely. I mean, I think it looks absolutely fantastic. It looks very strangely similar to the Amex Stadium in Brighton. Um, It does, You know, in terms of the actual shape and the way the the roofs sort of, uh, they dip and and, and, and join back up. But um, it looks great. But who is paying for all this? Don't know. It's a, it's a very, very good question. I, I don't know. Do you know, Michael? I don't know where the money would come from no. for this construction. Um, it's, I mean, that's number one on my list of, of thoughts. I mean, the, the gentrification of the area, um, I mean, I, where I used to work was just around the corner from the Elephant <clears throat> and the shopping centre that's, that's now to be demolished. And then opposite where the office I was in was the uh, the biggest estate, the Aylesbury estate, was it called? And that's been demolished now and it's all been rebuilt with this this kind of bog standard type blocks of flats the glass and steel that we we see on this on this design here um who's going to pay for the for the for the for a 34 seat thousand seat stadium don't know do we need it no um i imagine that the developers won't want the existing beautiful concrete and rust um bird shit encrusted um stadium to be in the middle of their 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 uh the jewel in their crowns i imagine that's the reason why they would want to do something with with the stadium but to to justify this transformation of uh the ground you'd have to transform the club itself because you'd be acquiring Let's be blunt. You need to acquire 20, 15 to twenty thousand new fans. Just double your fan base that go. Um, and you know, in my life, I'm I'm just trying to think back. I've I've seen the tendencies in the bad days of Division Three in the 70s and 80s go down as low as three, four thousand. Um, we've never really pulled in many more than on a on a big match day. If we get fifteen thousand, we think we've done well. Um, Millwall fans and then the away support. Um, you know, we the biggest crowd I've ever stood in in my Millwall following life at the Den was 23,000 when we played Liverpool. Um, that's the biggest crowd we've ever had uh, against a team, as I said on the previous show, that was the, the pick of Europe at the time. So I don't know where these ex- where all these fans are going to come from without going down what you might call the West Ham route. And by that, I mean 
transform yourself into a kind of a tourist destination for people that aren't Millwall fans but want to go and see football. It's a different that'll yeah. be a different crowd yeah. entirely. I don't like that idea. Um, yeah. I'm, Whilst I'm, you don't though, Nick, I'm sure the directors and sponsors yeah. do. Yeah, they do. Um, because one of the points, I mean, I've been reading all the. Uh, the, the, the reaction on, online, on Twitter especially, same as you, Michael, and we all, we're all Millwall fans. We all fell in love with a certain type of club and a certain type of place, and <clears throat> that's, that's what we've followed all of our lives. Um, that's, not to be, that's not to say we, we shouldn't have ambition, but the directors and the shareholders and the money men that would fund this would want exactly what you've just said there, Aaron, which would be to turn it into something different. Um, now... Ambition, I, I, I'm all in favour of ambition, um, and no, no business can stand still. That's, that's a problem, because if we stand still, then we're probably accepting with all the changes that football is going to cook up in the next 10 to 20 years, a status in the lower orders rather than potentially in whatever competitions evolve. And we're thinking of Premier League, Premier League Mark, uh, Part 2, the Division 2. Um, should we stand still? We can say that as fans, but the investors won't say that. And that's the problem because money in the end will rule. And I've watched the Elephant and Castle transform itself into a place now where people talk about it as a desirable area to live. And once it was a, a place you wouldn't go for fear of, uh, of your life. And the same will happen to Bermondsey. Um, we can, old gits like me can moan about it and not like it, but I'm afraid you can't stop it. Uh, I, I, was, I was born at London Bridge. Um... Like guys, hospital. I was brought up around Bermondsey, you know, Southwark Park Road, just around the back of there. You know, these these sort of places where you know sort of Mill fans come from. Um, and yeah, you you go around in there like you stand about the elephant. That's what made me touch on it. I, I remember saying in to Ryan as well. You know that it was only a couple of years ago. Someone said to me, "Oh, Bermondsey, what a beautiful area to live in." And I'm thinking, well, when I was five, six, seven years old, you 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 would not wanted to be anywhere near Bermondsey, and no. that that was. That was as someone who came from Burns, it was part of the appeal of it. It's the whole no one likes us, we don't care. It wasn't just the football club, it was the area that surrounded it. You know, it, it was it was a shithole, but it was our shithole, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but like but like Ryan was saying in the group chat, you know, and, and like we've said before, as as much as we we're not massive fans of those over the waters, you know, this is that's a clear indication. Did did West Ham need to move from the bullying ground? You know, no, they, they, they didn't. Get no. 38, 40,000 every week. Look at that. With all due respect, and this, I'm, I'm going to try and say this about West Ham as neutral as I can, but look at the state they're in. You know, Golden, Golden they... Sullivan, Golden Sullivan, oh yeah, will be in the Champions League within five years. They're now basically at a point where they're scared to leave their house because of the, the situation they put the club in. And all they've really done, I know they've, they're saying about, you know, I, I can't remember who said on the last show about, uh, or somewhere I was listening about Pellegrini investing money, but. All they've really done was move, and ultimately, let's be honest, with the move, they've actually done well out of it because they don't own a stadium. They only have to pay X amount of pound rent, so in theory, they've got more money to spend. I know there's politics in the background, but they're in a better position than they were financially when they was at Upton Park. But they're right, the only way they're going at the moment is down. Yeah, but the only but, but but Mick, oh, they're in a better financial position than they were at Upton Park. The reason they sold Upton Park was because when the club was bought by Golden Sullivan. They had uh, a debt which was saddled to them by the Icelandic owners from 2008. Do you remember that fella? Mac yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He owned a bank. He owned a fucking bank. And his bank went bust during the Icelandic banking crash and the global recession. Now, they had sort of a 60, 70 million pound debt. Now, Golden Sullivan, let's be fair. 
You know, there might be nice guys, West Ham fans, all that bollocks, but ultimately they're businessmen. If they're going to be paying £70 million off, you can bet anything on it. They're going to get that £70 million back. And of course, they sat on prime London real estate. That's why they fought so hard. They fought Barry Hearn for the Olympic Stadium. Spurs were going for the Olympic Stadium. Spurs backed out of it. Leighton Orient were campaigning against them. They fought them. They fought them and they won because ultimately they were going to make that cash back on, on, on this massive dominant. They built 900 homes on the on, on the bowling ground. It's a fucking shambles. It's an absolute disgrace. And I tell West Ham fans all the time, you know, they sit and they moan at me. Like, you know, I always get these people that come, oh, I have a moan, oh, you know, why are we in this shit? Mate, let me tell you something. I, for one, I will tell you, I go as media. The place is a fucking disgrace. It's an absolute shambles. It's not signposted. It's fucking miles away from the station. Sometimes you can't go back to where you actually came from in terms of when you're when you're walking back to the shopping centre, you can't go back there. It's blocked this exit of that, that, that. It's bollocks. It's complete and utter bollocks. There's no signposting anywhere. The views are terrible. But when West Ham fans turn around to me, and go, oh, this place is shit. I agree. And I go, but why didn't you fight? Why well, didn't I... you fight for your ground? Like Millwall fans fought for the den, like you did, Nick. Why didn't these guys go and protest then? Protest, tell them you don't want to leave. And you know what? I think you'd win. You'd probably win. They were sold. The, I mean, one, one of the factors, I mean, everything you said there is correct. Uh, but one of the factors that probably kept the fans um, quiet was this, there's, there was this idea that, this this fifty five sixty thousand seater stadium would put them on a par with the likes of the Manchester Cities, the Tottenham Hotspurs, the Arsenal's. This was going to uh, propel them from being a middling, um, you know, m- middle of the table Premier League, sometimes in the Championship and have a bad season and the odd cup run type of style of club into one that's going to compete at the European top table. So this that was that was what people bought into that. I I, I rather fear for this this going back to the Millwall design. Because as we've said a few times, we don't need 34,000 seats. We don't need, to be honest, we we can barely fill our 15,000 home seats at the moment. Where I sit, um, the reason I sit there is because there's no one around me. I'm an antisocial bastard. I can sit talking into my phone and no one bothers me because there's plenty of empty seats around there. So we don't fill our ground now. So I don't know where we're going to get these extra 20,000 seats. Part of me, part of me wonders whether part of the... Uh, the game that's being played out with Lewisham Council, because it's going to be a huge development, big money is involved, is that we have to appear as ambitious. It's like playing poker. You have to appear as ambitious as the man that you're opposite on the other side of the table to stay in the game. So I think we've announced plans. Whether, whether they actually come to pass or not, I would be amazed because as we keep coming back to the same point, who's going to pay for this? And why would they pay for it? What what What's in it for whichever funder of, you know, even I know Husky is supposed to have a few quid, but why would it... Why would it pay them to to put another twenty thousand seats on the stadium that is, you know, is at best fifteen thousand level and, and and no need to be much more than that apart from the away end. One one tweet just to conclude it, I think, because uh, the man in block eleven, who I'm a huge fan of, for his acidic Serbic tweets. The man in block eleven says it will never ever ever be built. John Berylson didn't get rich by funding projects like this. Why would anyone look at a perpetually loss-making football club that never reaches capacity in an 18,000 stadium and think we should build a new stadium that almost doubles capacity? I think that's the question that I think probably we can, we can finish that piece with. You know what? Very, I, agree. I agree with him completely. I don't think it will be built. 
I think it's a proposal and it's, it's there for um, it's probably an expensive proposal that's there for a reason for a, a, a bigger game of poker to be played in the area. I, I, I personally think, I, and this is just to sort of finish on it, I think it's being used as a pawn to, to potentially get people, i.e. the club, to back certain proposals, planning permission, etc., etc., to get the right names and, you know, like people around the area just to go, yeah, actually, yeah, we'll do it. Let's go for it. I think you're right. I think you're right. Michael's done a club shop update. Aaron, show. Oh, up. yes. Here we go. Our favourite point of the show. The erection section. <laughs> the erection section. Oh, mate. It is Valentine's Day after all. Oh. <laughs> go for it, Michael. Read it. Do you want to start off with your full zip? <laughs> so, so, here we go. All right, we are back. After a, after a couple of weeks of actually being nice to the club shop, I thought I'd come back. So, Aaron. Yes. So instead of, oh, actually, no, this is more for you, Nick, actually. Oh, for me. Sorry, okay. mate. All so, right. instead of growing up wishing you had played for the Lions, were you as a youngster thinking, Mum and Dad, I've never really wanted a replicate. I've always dreamed of being a member of the backroom admin staff. I, I've dreamed of being a member of the accounts team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, uh, do you like to walk around the local Lidl with the same branded kit as Gary Rowett? Love and it. Although, and, and although your waistline and hairline may not be the same as our managers, hopefully one day you may get confused for the great man himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, if the answer to these is a whopping yes, then get on the sales section of the Mill Club shop. So for the price of only £31.50. £31.50, OK. And a 15% discount of how much? And a thirty percent discount of thirteen pound fifty, you can do your near, you can do your, or go down to your nearest park with comes from Sports Direct and pretend you're the next <laughs> Kevin Pressman. <laughs> it's no. basic. It's, no. it's basic. Go. Although, sorry, sorry. I'm interrupting. Sorry. Go on. No. Yeah, indeed. It's my, it's my QVC section with a small print. <laughs> Although discounted, we at the Real Millwall Fan Show advise you to buy a replica kit or polo as you'll only make yourself look like a metaphorical hormone of prefect in this. Also, you need to fel- spell full zip as one word to find this online. It well, is spelled... What she popped in the other day to the club shop pre-West Brog, because I like the look of the hoodie, you know, and I thought to myself, yeah, I could, I could probably do with one of them for 30 quid or something. And, and yeah, well, uh, I found out from a very nice young lady that they were all sold out, and I thought, you know what, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> club shop's going when I inquired as if they're getting any more, she goes, "No, no, no, we won't be doing it." I mean, just what's the point? If it's selling well, get more for fuck's sake! Like that's that's the point of a shop. You you re- retail, you sell stuff, you get more because there's a demand. Basic economics, but uh, clearly not not the uh, not for the Mill Club shop. I, I just going back to uh, Michael's full zip, uh, which is a strange word, a travel full zip. It's not the worst item I've ever seen in there. It's it's, it's just like a it's like a zip sweatshirt with a with a kind of like a, a zip collar uh, and the and the club. But I've seen a lot worse than this. We, in fact, we will see a lot worse in this in this particular section later on. But that, I, I think that's and for thirty one pound fifty, I've seen a lot worse value than that. But but um, no, you don't dream of being the, the in the in the, the staff team. I must say. Shall I do the um, the Millwall two pack? That sounds like a oh, oh, a rap, please do. A rap please artist. Do. Let's see if we can put some. Go, go on, take away Biggie Smalls. Go Biggie through. Smalls. I'll, I'll dig out some rap. Um, a Millwall <laughs> a Millwall two pack of soothers or dummies in in English. Dummies soothers in in the strange American English That's of the, the club point. shop. 
Yeah. Um, so Michael says the newly named COVID coronavirus, coronavirus 19 is here. And never fear, the club shop is prepared. Whilst halls are selling out their fav- famous suvers at a rate of knots, the club shop have jumped on the bandwagon. Hang on, no, they haven't. If you're after cough sweets, then perhaps the club shop isn't for you. But if you know a Leeds fan who's crying at the fact they've potentially blown up a promotion for sure, that's, 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 that's harsh. Then get online and order a mill two-pack of Subas. These are dummies with dummies with the mill logo on them. Um, for the great price of only six quid, that's a lot. For, for You get two babies dummies. I, I mean, it's been a while since I bought a baby's dummy, boys, but um, they weren't six pounds. I know that much. Um Tommy Tibby and Avant will be proud of. Note, we at the Millwall Fan Show do not want to associate Mill products with Tommy Tibby baby brand as one of their MDs did time for trying to organise a hitman on her ex-boyfriend. Did they? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> I, I hope that's not libelous. You know, I, I, I no, think, I, no, that's, that's true. I could, I could, we'll, we'll put the link in the show description notes. Listeners but, need yeah. to know, I, I'm constantly restraining th- outrageous comments that will come back to me. <laughs> Liable to come back to me. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, we actually record like a three hour show, but you just get like the bits that I, I leave. <laughs> Only because I've got a house that I, that, I, that I value, you know, I don't want to lose it. Anyway, this is an old favourite. Next one. Do you want to do this one, Aaron, or should I take it on? No, no, I, you know me, you know my stance on the club shop, Nick. I only let you guys there because I enjoy the element of support. <laughs> Well, do you, do you, much mind if I take, do you mind if I take this one, Nick? You go, no, go for it, mate. Go, 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 go. So, so, so it's Valentine's Day, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, so we thought we'd go back to an old classic. So, is the woman in your life too much of a fan of Valentine's problem? <laughs> Are you still picking pieces of the vase you bought her for Christmas out of your face after you suggested the gym membership? And do you need a shirt that can also be used as a picnic basket? We know where this is going, Aaron. Yeah, we do, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if the answer to these is a slightly terrified yes, then get down to the retail giant at Zampa Road where you can get the classic Millwall Ladies oversized check shirt for only £8. Oh! <laughs> 8 quid. So, it's, this so, one's kicked you around a while, hasn't it? It's been on ever some time, this, this, this it item. It this, this piece. And, this and piece. With this count, <laughs> what? Just calm down. And, and with a discount of 73.33%, which is a £22 saving... This is, yeah, so they've got the numbers on there. Partner, your partner can continue to eat Krispy Kremes to her heart's content as she has an item of clothing that doubles as a teepee. So please note, if anyone has bought this and not taken a right-hander from the missus, please let us know at actormealwall at gmail.com or 0208 144 Call us, call us, let us know how your Valentine's night went if you bought this for your lady. An oversized check shirt, which for eight quid, cheap. <laughs> we, love, we love the erection section. <laughs> there we are. Um, well done, Michael. Good good club shop update, as always. I thought we'd, we'd conclude, Aaron, with our random subject. Of the this, week. Is, this is now the random subject, you know, from something that we sort of just came up with the other week. It's actually turned into quite a good thing. It's turned into quite an, um, an interactive feature. We're really enjoying it. So keep it up, guys. Um, and um, Nick, the, <laughs> the random subject this week is, um, is an interesting one because it's actually, it blew up. Um, and this week's one is, what has been the biggest mistake that Mill FC has made? I mean, yeah. we've had quite a few responses, Nick. Do you want, do you want to hit them up? Yeah, we'll, we'll run, we'll run um, Michael, Mike Hayden. Ryan and Harry's pieces first because they've all recorded their takes on what Mill's biggest ever mistake. Um, 
and then we'll run through the the responses. And I want to, I, 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 if you'll indulge me, boys, I just want to conclude with mine because I think my one tops everything. Actually, I think my one is the best mistake, biggest mistake that Mill Football Club's ever made. So let's run with Harry, Mike, and Ryan now. And we'll come straight back with uh, the responses from Twitter. Mill's biggest mistake in in my years supporting the club has to be appointing Ian Holloway as manager. He was a high-profile manager with a history of taking little old Blackpool to the Premier League. The wheels did start to come off for Ian. He scraped Crystal Palace through the playoffs when he took over. They were actually top. Uh, He then left in the Premier League under strange circumstances. I'll never forget Holloway's remark of Andy Ambler's quote, You are our plan A, B and C. Doesn't it make you feel sick to the core that 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 was the plan? I did fall into this optimism and hope that Holloway could take us to the promised land. Uh, Instead, he tried to change our way of playing straight away, brought in journeyman after journeyman and ruined the squad. He brought Diego Fabrini in on loan and tried to run everything through him. Of course, he had an Italian cap. He was meant to be the next Perlo. We narrowly avoided relegation after beating Bournemouth on the final day. The man signed Stefan Meyerhofer not once, but twice. He made Sid Nelson captain at the age of 18. He hid in the dugout when things were going wrong. He waited until he was sacked, so he got a big payoff. Holloway is a con man, and he was Mill's biggest mistake in my era. We all know that those who run our beloved football club are relatively, if not to a large extent, gaff-prone. Um, we've all got tales of things that Mill have done that no one can quite get their head around. But for me, Mill's biggest mistake... I mean, it's not a single mistake for me, but Mill's biggest mistake of my lifetime is the period between Kenny Jacket and Neil Harris. It was just mistake after mistake after mistake. The decision to appoint Steve Lomas, who, with his West Ham connections and Scottish Premier League experience, just is not the right fit. He kind of walked in without a hope, really, because um, of his past, because of his connections to West Ham, and it's just never going to fly with the Millwall fans. To then replace him with Ian Holloway was just a bad mistake. He's a, a bit of a con man, a bit of someone who has a lot of talk and no end product about him. It kind of speaks volumes that he's now managing in League Two. Um, and then once they did appoint him to back him to the extent that they did financially, I think they <clears throat> fell for his bravado, fell for this false dream that maybe he sold us and they were just running with without a clue really and playing with the the safety of the club and backed him way too financially that we're kind of still paying the price for now. Luckily since then they seem to have learnt. Obviously a change up in the board maybe has helped that. Um, Neil Harris steadying the ship, running the club on a shoestring has got us back to where we are now in a position with big financial backing where we look like we are on the up. So... Hopefully, we will have quite a long time to wait before the next massive gaffe that puts us back in the shit. Hello, uh, my name is Harry Warren and this is my biggest Millwall mistake. My biggest Millwall mistake will be this new stadium Um, or an update of our current one. Um, It will financially cripple us just like it did the club back in 1993 and eventually lead to administration not long after. I was only a kid at the time, but I know Millwall definitely, definitely went into administration. Um, 
and that would not be good. We need to update the den, yes, but without losing its character, and its character is to be nasty, and to be nasty is to be Millwall. And we're very good at it, and it's our selling point. It is our, our curse and our cross to bear. Um, we will be beaten with that stick, yet it is what makes us uh, our mill wall, it's what makes the den, the hostile atmosphere, it's what makes us a tough place to go. It was what makes teams in the past be beaten before they even walk out on the pitch and to make it a gentrified new Bermondsey, new catchment area, new football tourism. And fall for it, if you fall for it, I've got West Ham friends, unfortunately for me, but I have got West Ham friends and they were sold a dream. They were sold to leave their home, their home where their fathers and their grandfathers left. And they left. And we've left ours. We left the old den. But to go to this new den and then have the new den gentrified, it just doesn't play for me. So that would be my biggest mill mistake if we were to do it. Yeah, fill in the corners of the Colbo Lane. But other than that, do we need really a gentrified bar? I miss the old days of Silwood and coming out and counting down Silwood Street how many cars have been smashed up. Call me old-fashioned. Come on, you lines. Achtung, Mehlball. Yeah, back. Thanks, chaps. That's if Nick's remembered to put it in again this week. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, I will. I'm never going to live that down. You know that. No, 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 uh, no. no. Let's have uh, let's have some of the others, Nick. I'm gonna start with oh, I'm gonna start with Mark Bunner pointing Lomas and then Holloway as managers in 13, 14. I think that's an obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's. A, I mean, Holloway was a disaster, and you know, cost us a lot of money actually, money we didn't couldn't really afford to lose, and money that could have gone to a new stadium. I mean, Mike Mike covers that quite nicely in his in his in his piece, and and, and gets straight to the nub of the matter. Um, Murph Payne, this is one for the older listeners. Um, you boys probably won't remember George Petchy. This was 1979. Sacking George Petchy, he says, Merv, is the biggest mistake. And then appointing a character called Peter Anderson, um, who was a Luton Town player. Played, strangely, played in Royal, Royal Antwerp in Belgium. And so had a slightly exotic kind of quality that you think he was going to bring some continental flair to the club. This would be about 1980, 80, 81, if, if memory serves, that Anderson came in. And he was fucking awful. He was the worst manager we've ever had. He was appalling. Um, I, even to think back to those times, it was kids now think that you go through grim times because we lose a couple of games at Leeds and we get beat by West Brom and they're digging players out online about it. So, you know, their lives are over. You want to try Peter Anderson in Division 3, 1982, when the crowds were down about two or 3,000 and the club was dying and all we were watching was shit. Um, Peter Anderson was a, by some distance, in my opinion, the worst manager I've ever seen at Millwall Football Club. So that's a good choice by Merv. I like that choice. Um, you don't remember him, Michael. You won't remember Petchy and Anderson. You're too, you're too young. Um, but you might remember... Uh, oh, no, you won't remember. <laughs> you might remember the Russians. Matt Webb picked out the Russians. Oh, yeah, yes, they I your remember Russians. Kul- Kulkov and Uran, Sergei Uran and Kulkov. We, we touched on them in the last edition, didn't we, the, mm-hmm. two, the two Russians. Mark Youngman's picked up a good one here, and this is true. We didn't sign. We had a chance to sign a young Kevin Keegan from Scunthorpe, and we turned him down. And I think we missed on Rodney Marsh as well, um, which is, um, you know, also true. Did you have instead? 
I don't know. We probably saw. <laughs> I don't know which side. We just didn't take them. But Kevin Keegan was. I think he went to Liverpool rather than Millwall, and the rest is the rest is history. Uh, in, in a funny way, my 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 one at the end of the piece is of a similar similar nature. Um, the Russian Matt Webb's done that. Uh, Neil Fisner's come up with a good one that we should have stopped World War Two because the team in 1939 was about to be promoted to Division 1. And, of course, we were the team that never never played, London team never played in Division 1. But, unfortunately, the Second World War broke out and um, stopped the football and then got bombed. And um, the club never really recovered until, you know, modern times, really. Um, good one here from Derek King. Um, I don't know about this one, Michael. Not, we should have sacked Mick McCarthy when he was first linked to the Republic of Ireland job. This would be 1995. Um, Derek says we should have sacked him when he was first linked with the job as an early appointment would have meant we wouldn't have got relegated that season because we famously went from top of the league to being relegated yeah, like and, stone, yeah. and then subsequent administration so he says that was a I don't know that's 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 hindsight it's, a, it's an interesting interesting point um, selling JJ says we sold Tim Cahill so cheaply we did sign Andros Townsend remember Andros Townsend playing for us yeah um, Stop stopping the sale of Hurleyman. This is getting silly now. Stopping the sale of Hurleyman's beer, not putting a pie mash shop in the den and buying the Russians and then going busted. This is endless. Um, an obscure one from Royal Robert Lyons. He says it's a tough one. So he's come up with um, signing Jamie Morley instead of Stan Collymore in the early 90s. <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> We've made a lot of mistakes, Robert, over the time. I wouldn't have thought of signing Jamie Morley instead of Stan Collymore, but that's a good, a good choice. Um, Grumpy Grimace, Aaron. You always like Grumpy Grimace. Oh, what um, Grumpy Grimace says, uh, we, we float, of course, we famously floated ourselves on the London Stock Exchange in the 80s. We, we've always had ambitions. This is, uh, goes back to our stadium. We've always had ambitions beyond our place, really. We've floated ourselves on the London Stock Exchange, and I think we went from 20p a share down to like minus 0.33 of a share. Um, the Euro Ferries debacle, which, you know, Michael will, will remember. Steve Lomas. And letting um, Bamford have a free header from four yards the other night in in, in Leeds, so um, all good mistakes. But I I think I have the best mistake of all. If you'll if you'll indulge me, chaps, I know I've rattled on on this this piece a little bit, but um, I've had to look in the the history books for this one, and I'm going to take you all back to the 1890s, back to Victorian London. Um, Millwall at that time were one of the leading football clubs in the country. Um, we were known as the Lions of the South. We were regularly champions of the newly formed Southern League, which was on a par with being Football League champion. The Football League was a primarily a, a Northern-dominated competition, so it had the, the great names of the, the Prestons, the um, you know the, the Blackburn Rovers, and 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 the like. Uh, the newly formed Newton Heath hadn't quite made it yet. Then Aaron, they were they were still getting themselves together at this point. Um, but so the, the football league was a northern, primarily a northern competition, but was probably in the ascendancy at that time. But the southern league was by no means, you know, for slouches. And Millwall were champions of the southern league, Millwall Athletic, in its inaugural season, 1894-95 and 1895-96. And there was talk that we were just too good for the southern league. And the fans of Millwall Athletic, when we were on the Isle of Dogs, wanted us to join Woolwich Arsenal in the second division of the Football League. Um, Woolwich Arsenal had joined just a couple of seasons before uh, and they obviously went on to greater things and became Arsenal. 
uh, we decided that no, we wanted to be big fish in the small pond of the Southern League. We stayed in the Southern League rather than apply to join the Football League in 1896. Um, Tottenham joined the Football League shortly afterwards. We stayed, remained Southern League members until 1920 uh, when we joined in the third division. And by that stage, Arsenal and Spurs were established and the rest is history. So Millwall, Mill's biggest mistake in its history was not applying to join the Football League when we would have been one of the major clubs in the country. Um, have a look at Arsenal's history and have a look at Tottenham's history and think that's what we could have been. There you have it. <laughs> I, quite like, I quite like I, I was quite pleased when I came up with A bit of history from, bit of history. from, from, from Nick Hart. Um, like the anti-crocher. Uh, well, I mean, we, we've gone well over the old time limit. Let's be fair. We're 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 eating into Valentine's here. Uh, Millwall taking on PNE up at the Deep Dale. Anyone going? No, I can't go, mate. I can't go. What about you? You're you're, you're not going to go that one, Michael. Wonderful. I shall not be, unfortunately. No, but I, I shall be. Um, I shall be following online. Try and get a stream for it if I can. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen this. Preston are in a bit of um, bit of form. They're they're occupying our sixth spot the one that we want um so it's gonna be a very tough game i think if we get a point there we'll be doing well and then i want to see us go to wigan the week after and win so point for me one all preston one that Millwall one will be my uh my aim and and wish um i will go preston north end one Millwall one i'm going preston north end one Millwall two Nice one. I like that. There you go, chaps. Uh, thank you very much for uh, everyone who's got in touch with us. Don't forget, we've got, we're got we on the email. We're on the WhatsApp. Just give us a shout, really. It's just nice to hear from you uh, now and then. Um, chaps, have a good Valentine's Day. Whatever you're doing, be safe. You know what I mean by be safe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it is the lover's edition of the Millwall Fan Show, the real Millwall Fan Show here. Acton Mill. I uh, hope you have a great weekend. Until next time. Bye for now. Achtung, Mehlball. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.